Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Since the Bible writer's urgency in Ecclesiastes, be enthusiastic. Remember that everything is not wrong. Don't fall into the pattern of thinking that everything is always wrong and everything is always so bad. You say, why is that important, Pastor Jim? Because sooner or later, we're all gonna end up in deep waters, aren't we? And if we cultivate godly joy now, that will help us not to drown when we're in those deep waters. There is going to come a time when we walk through rough times. We are inevitably going to be slammed with something unexpected. Waiting until that happens to become a Christian or to find joy in the Lord is the worst thing we can do. Cultivating joy in our hearts for God on a daily basis will make the practice of doing it second nature. This way, when hard times come, we'll already have His joy in our hearts and be more able to face the trials. Let's choose joy today so we're prepared for anything. With this in mind, here's Pastor Jim with part one of his message entitled, Why is a good memory important? All right, Ecclesiastes 12:1. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. Well, there was an elderly gentleman and he was a CEO of a large company, but he was retired and he looked forward once a week when he would go to his country club and play golf with three young executives and he would really kind of pour into them and and share what it meant to be an executive and and teach them how to you know do your job not lose your family etc so one day he had a lot of hassles getting to the country club and he was kind of irritated when he got there and he couldn't wait to play golf and when he got there he could not find his three young executives to play golf with. And so he was kind of aggravated and went to the concierge desk and he said, are there any messages for me? And he said, "Uh, yes, there is. And the message just said, hey, sorry, you know, the stock market didn't do very well yesterday, so we all got called into work. We're not gonna be able to play golf today. So he was kind of angry, he was kind of perturbed. And a second elderly man was there and he overheard what was going on. And he said, you know, I come here every week and I play golf with three young executives and my three young executives got called into work. Can we play golf together? So the first executive who was kind of aggravated said, well, I got a problem. And he said, what's the problem? And he said, I don't see very well. So when I hit the ball, my three executives, my three young executives, they tell me where the ball went. And the the second guy goes, no problem. I have eyes like an eagle. In fact, I see better than the three young guys that I play with. And he goes, really? And he says, yes. And he said, well, let's go play together. So they get out there and they play. First, they come to the first tee. And the guy who doesn't see very well hits the ball. And he says to the other guy, did you see where my shot went? He goes, absolutely, totally see it. No problem, don't worry, I see it. So the second guy hits it, they hop in the cart. And they're all excited. Oh, you know what, we don't need these young bucks. We can play golf together every day. You know, it's gonna be great, it's gonna be awesome. So they drive out to the middle of the fairway. And so the guy who doesn't see very well says to the guy, hey, uh, where's my ball? And he goes, I don't know. 
And he said, you said you see very well. He said, yes, but I never said I remembered very well, okay? <laughs> you see, the older we get, right, we realize that it's harder to see. I have the, as you can see, I have these new lights here. If you're new today, these are new lights. They are bigger than the old lights that I used to have because I don't see so well. Uh, in our house, I have a bunch of those uh, Target glasses that kind of look like this, you know, those cheap ones that you buy. And I've gone from a series of 1.25 to 1.5 to 1.75, and now I'm praying on 2.0. That's what happens with us when we get older. We don't see so well, and, and we don't really remember so much, especially when our brains are so cluttered with all kinds of things. It's harder to remember. In the spiritual realm, the Bible actually teaches that we're born spiritually blind. And it takes the word of God and the Holy Spirit to see what the apostle Paul called Jesus Christ and him crucified. But it also takes the word of God and the Holy Spirit to help us to remember what that means and to see even more clearly. Today, the writer of Ecclesiastes is going to tell us that a large part of a committed follower of Jesus Christ's life under the sun, remember this is King Solomon, an autobiographer writing a thousand years presumably before Jesus lived, under the sun, not what he can see on earth, a large part of our enjoyment under the sun may actually depend upon our memory. And I think it's fair to say that the Bible in many places teaches when we clutter our hearts with things, when we fail to remember the Lord Jesus, the result is often a lack of joy. The result is often we get ourselves into some sort of a lazy spiritual state and maybe even into some sort of spiritual trouble. And so in our messages in Ecclesiastes, we've been using questions to to guide us. And today's question is, why is a good memory important? Why is a good memory important? Last week, we talked about taking risks. And this week, we're going to talk about really keeping our eye on the ball. And who's our eye that we keep our eye on? Well, of course, the Lord Jesus. And so for true joy, we need to keep our eye on him, a joy from God that comes from over the sun to those of us who live under the sun. If you're taking notes today, you'll be quite relieved. There's only two points, not 97 like there is some weeks, right? There's only two points. Number one, rejoice and remember the Lord. Rejoice and remember the Lord. Well, let's back up to chapter 11, verse 7. He says, truly, the light. Now, let's just stop there for a second. Often in the Bible, light refers to life. Darkness refers to death. So here I think we have him referring to life. So we might say truly life or truly the light or truly life is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to behold the sun. Some versions say it's pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. Verse 8. But if a man lives many years and rejoices in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. Uh, some people think the days of darkness is harder times. Could be. I lean towards death, but and other, others would share that opinion. All that is coming is Vanity. All that is coming is, in some versions, say meaningless. We've said it often refers to the breath of life. Now, if you're thinking, this is crazy stuff that's here. This is wisdom literature. It's not the easiest to understand. So we kind of have to hack our way through the trees to get to the clearing. Well, most of us, we tend to look forward to vacation, don't we? We tend to look forward to holidays. Uh, How many of your kids look forward to their birthday? 
Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but our worship leader starts looking forward to his birthday at the turn of the year, every year in January. And his birthday's in September. So he starts reminding us that his birthday is coming. Some of you are like, I know, he reminded me. But believers, God encourages us to look forward to every day. Why? Because we know that sooner or later, we're all going to run out of days. We are all coming down a path where things will be really hard and it may be seemingly impossible to rejoice. So notice what the Bible writer says here. He says, behold or, or see the sun. Behold or see the light. Behold or see life. What is he saying? Live joyfully. You say, well, where is that? He says, because life is sweet and pleasant. If we're looking for it, life has a sweetness to it. Life has a pleasantness to us. It's not all misery. Back in the early 1990s, Pam and I were up in Bar Harbor, Maine. Excuse me, Bahaba. We were up in Bahaba, Maine. And uh, we saw some shirts that were made by two young men that were from New England. Very simple shirts. I really liked the shirts. In fact, I bought one. And today, their company is huge. And it's based on three words. Life is good. How many of you have seen their shirts and their hats, right? Life is good. That's it. That's it. That's all they base their business on. And we've all have an expression, enjoy it while you can. And we must praise God for his goodness and the gifts of this life now while it's still day, while we're still alive, while we still have breath. Popular verse, John 10.10, Jesus said, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. It's so important for us to see that we only get one shot at life. I mean, God is moving us all towards eternity. And so what we make of the one shot we get is very, very important. Once again, do you see here in Ecclesiastes the Bible writer's realism? Uh, We've said that a lot of people think that this is a depressing book. I would just say it's more of a realistic book. Life is full of ups and downs, but rejoicing prepares your soul for the times when you're really down. So instead of complaining about everything, sometimes we have to put our Pollyanna glasses on and see and remember that life is good. Do you sense the Bible writer's urgency in Ecclesiastes? Be enthusiastic. Remember that everything is not wrong. Don't fall into the pattern of thinking that everything is always wrong and everything is always so bad. You say, why is that important, Pastor Jim? Because sooner or later, we're all going to end up in deep waters, aren't we? And if we cultivate godly joy now, that will help us not to drown when we're in those deep waters. Verse 9, he says, rejoice. Now, we've been told that many times in Ecclesiastes, but this is it. This is the final time. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. Remember, we said primarily the audience is young, emerging leaders. There could be other people there as well. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Now, let's be very good Bible students here, okay? Because this verse is dynamite. He says, walk in the ways of your heart. Some of you are like, I'm crossing that out in my kid's Bible. I don't want want them to do that. And in the sight of your eyes. So does that mean you can do what you want? You know, I, I, we went to the store the other day, and, and the, they gave us a bag. We bought something, and it, it said, follow your heart. 
And I was like, I took the bag and put it on my desk and I wrote, or don't. <laughs> because that can be a dangerous thing. He said, but know that for all these, God will bring you into judgment. You're like, wait a minute. You just said, follow my heart, God. And now you said, if I follow my heart, you're going to bring me into judgment. So let's try and be good Bible students here. The Bible writer is urging us, let your heart rejoice now, right? Now, before it's too late. And we said last week, don't wait for conditions to be perfect to rejoice because they are never going to be perfect. Everything is not going to be perfect for you and I to serve the Lord or, or to do this or to do that. Remember we said that I should can easily turn into I should have as time passes by if we're not careful. Then he says this, walk in the ways of your heart. What does he mean? Well, he just told us that we are to rejoice, right? So when he says, walk in the ways of your heart, what he's saying is, walk in the same heart that is now rejoicing in what God gave. Rejoice in the heart that, that puts God as a huge priority in your life. Now, this is very interesting to me and very, very convicting. He seems to be saying, at least as I read it here, that God will judge us for not rejoicing and not remembering in his goodness. Now, this is a place, as Americans, we have to be really, really careful because our culture always tells us that you go to heaven if you're a good person. Not what the Bible teaches, but it says you go to heaven if you're a good person. So people say, well, you know, I never killed anybody, right? Jesus says, well, if you ever are angry with anybody in your heart, you've murdered them. You're like, oh, I'm busted. But a lot of times we talk about in theology as sins of commission, sins I committed. You go, well, I didn't do this and I didn't do that. But there's also sins of omission, things that we omit to do. And here he's saying, if you don't rejoice in the goodness of life that God has given to you, you have omitted something that God will actually hold against you. He'll actually hold against you for being ungrateful. For, for having a sense of entitlement. That's why a lot of times people say, well, you know, I don't need to go to church to go to heaven. And I'm like, well, when do you gather with God's people to worship him? You, you've omitted that. That's an important part of, of being a Christian. We've been saying that, you know, King Solomon looking at life under the sun, scholars tell us that the word judgment here can also mean, and most actually would say it means the judgment. In other words, what we do with God's gift matters. How we respond to God's gifts matter. And what's the greatest gift he gave us? His son. And it matters both here and in eternity. I think here's the problem, though. Few of us appreciate, or few people in our society, appreciate the same gifts that God does. When you talk about being blessed, what do most Americans think? Oh, my health is good. I, I, have, a, I have a good job. You know, I've got, I got a new boat. Nothing wrong with any of that stuff. But that's not the, where God considers the most important things. For most Americans, being comfortable, right? Having an easy life without a lot of pain and discomfort. But when you read the Bible, you see something very, very different. The Lord God cherishes his son. And when we don't cherish his son, we are not living as God would have us to live. The Lord God cherishes his Holy Spirit. The Lord cherishes his word. That's why he says, this is the one who I will look upon, he who is humble and contrite in heart and who trembles at my word, who picks up their Bible and says, oh, oh, God is about to speak. The Lord cherishes his church. We're told that Jesus died 
for his church and neglecting the things that God cherishes, neglecting his holiness, neglecting his glory, these are things that will eventually catch up to us. In other words, we are to rejoice responsibly and remember what the Lord says is important. If we want true joy, if we want true freedom, if we want what we sometimes refer to as the smile of God. Sadly, today's Christian culture has trivialized a lot of this stuff. We've become a very, very lazy people. Oh, I don't have to read my Bible, I watch YouTube. I don't have to read my Bible, I go to Christian movies when they come out. I don't have to read my Bible, I go listen to Pastor Jim every Sunday. <laughs> Some of us have fallen into the pattern of ritual. We're going to church week after week after week doing the same thing, and we're not engaging. Are we thinking about the words that we're singing? Are we thinking about the word of God going forth? Or we just come in, do our church thing, we punch our time clock. Some of you are like, we have a time clock? Yeah, it's right around the corner by the coat rack, right? Do our thing and just think that God would be happy with that. Although Isaiah said, Jesus quoted him, you know, you honor me with your lips. You sing the songs, you say the prayers, but your hearts are very far from me. We want true freedom. We can't neglect the things that God has told us is important. Our society, even our Christian society, has gone to self-centeredness, hasn't it? It's all about me and my relationship with Jesus. Well, not really. It is partially about that, but it's also about the world around us. One thing I love about our young people, man, they want to do something. They're like, we have, we have this faith, let's do something with it, come on. How many people who would call themselves Christians have given in to the sensual pleasures that God has said, hey, there's an expression of that that I will allow. In fact, there's glory in it. But you can't go outside that. Godly joy is something that is pursued and found within the guidelines set by the word of God and inside the guidelines that God has provided to us for it. And when you're inside the guidelines, live it up. Have a great time. Don't make God's word more than it is and don't make God's word less than it is. Derek Kidner, the Bible scholar, says this, joy was created to dance with goodness, not alone. Joy was created to dance with goodness, not alone. The way we live our lives is very important to God. 2 Timothy 2.22, the apostle Paul to his young pastor protege, flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. Look at this with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Why do we have community groups? Why am I encouraging you today and next week to sign up for a community group? They'll be full if you wait too long, right? So you and I are moving towards God with those who are moving towards him. Exactly what the apostle just said. We're moving towards God with one another. And so the first step for a follower of Jesus, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, I am glad that you are here. Really hope to get a chance to meet you. If you're like, well, I want to know more about this stuff, hey, then sign up for my group. We'll, I'll, I'll answer every question you have, right? Other, some of the other groups, they'll have no problem answering your questions. The first step for a follower of Jesus is a step that we have to take every day, and it's right there in verse 10. Therefore, remove sorrow. Some Bible versions call it vexation. Another version says, banish anxiety, Remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. What's he saying to these young guys? It's fleeting. You are not going to be young forever. You say, oh, come on, I, I, don't, I, you know, I don't see what you're talking about. Those of you that are in college, you were in junior high yesterday, weren't you? 
I mean, you're a high school, you think about it, man, it went so fast. And the bad news is life goes faster as you get older. I can't believe, I wake up every Sunday morning. You know, when I first started the ministry, I was like, oh God, it's Sunday, praise the Lord. Now I wake up, I'm like, you're kidding me, it's Sunday again already, right? And, and, and it goes very fast. If you want to obey the command to rejoice, he's telling us here, there's just some things you're gonna have to remove from your life. There's just some things I'm gonna have to remove from my life. There's just some attitudes we're going to have to get rid of if we're going to rejoice in God every single day. There are just some behaviors that we're going to have to get rid of. All of us have stuff, right? All of us have junk. And, and God is saying here, all of us are gonna have to accept that we're gonna have to start gathering up our stuff, gathering up our junk, and we're gonna have to take it out to the curb. Now, some of us, we can do it ourselves. Some of us, we need the help of another Christian friend, of community group people. Some of us need the help of a pastor. Some of us need professional counselors. But they're all steps on the way to get us to help take care of all of this stuff that we have that ruins our relationship with Jesus Christ. We must stop negotiating with the word of God. We must stop believing lies. and Put that off and believe the truth. Some of us have to stop with the constant worry, worrying about things that we can't control. Some of us have to remove the self-inflicted discouragement if we're going to praise the Lord every day, if we're going to enjoy this thing. Some of us, I think, sometimes we're going to get to heaven and we're going to have a bad attitude, like, oh, I'm sure this place isn't all it's cracked up to be. Now, but let's catch ourselves here. The Bible writer is not saying uh, deny real pain. I can prove that to you. Because what does it say about Jesus in the Bible? He was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. So it's not saying you lose a spouse, you lose a loved one, a child, bad visit to the doctor for someone, a friend falls away from the Lord. You know, Jesus, he looked out over the people and he was moved with compassion. So it's not saying we deny those type of things, but he is saying stop thinking and stop living in ways which you're communicating both to yourself and to others, there is no God. The Bible says that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. We tend to think that means they're an atheist or maybe at best an agnostic. But when we live like unbelieving believers, what are we saying to the world around us and what are we really saying to God? There is no God. We're living like you don't exist. So he's telling these guys, man, stop with the bad decisions. Stop with the self-delusions. Stop with the excuses. Stop ignoring God and stop now. Stop now while it's in your heart, while it's on your soul. Some of you right now need to take this card in the seat in front of you and it says, my next step is to, and maybe you need to fill in something and turn that in today. So we can pray for you and we'll contact you and say, how are you doing with this? And do you have anybody in your life that you're talking to about this? Stop now. Why do we stop? So what do I do when I stop? Well, that was our point. Rejoice and remember the Lord. All right, number two. Number one, rejoice and remember the Lord. Number two, pay attention. Remember the Lord and rejoice. <laughs> Very complicated. Some of you are like, was that the opposite? <laughs> Chapter 12, verse one, our verse for today. Remember now. Now, Bible students, you should remember that often and usually when the Bible talks about God remembering, it doesn't mean that he, God's like, oh man, I forgot. No, remembering means he acts upon that which he has already said. And so remembering is not really a memory thing. It is for us to act upon what God has already said. 
So now he gives us a key to true joy. Remember now, act upon what we just heard. Remember the Bible was not written with the chapter and verse that was put in uh, for us to, to be able to find stuff easier. Remember now what I just told you about praising the Lord, okay? Remember now your creator. You want true joy, you remember your creator. Notice he doesn't say remember God. He says remember your creator. Remember the one who, who gave you everything. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Would you like to hear this message again? Simply log on to our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. There you can listen to archive broadcasts, load our mobile app, as well as listen to Pastor Jim's easy-to-follow verse-by-verse teaching on much of the Bible. You can also request a CD copy of this message in its original, unedited form on our website. If you would prefer to write to us, our address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. That's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or you can give us a call at 973-659-3380. Once again, that's 973-659-3380. Changed by Love is sponsored by listeners like you. We are so thankful for your continued support and prayers that allow us to bring our show to you on this station. Make sure you tell your friends and family about Changed by Love on this station, as well as how to listen to Pastor Jim on our website and mobile app. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes. Glance at the clock right now, and please make plans to join us next time to be encouraged, comforted, and challenged by the Word of God. You are all a blessing to us. We hope to see you next time here on Changed by Love.